Welcome to the Naturopath Next Door podcast, an unfiltered health, wellness, and lifestyle podcast without the fluff. I'm your host, Pam, naturopath, nutritionist, personal trainer, and owner of Pam Heard Naturopath. Hello, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Naturopath Next Door. Today, I'm going to be talking with Lisa Johnson from Asami Engagement Psychology. And we're going to be talking about the six elements which influence our well-being and happiness. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Very good, thanks. That's good. Thanks very much for joining us today. So when we're talking about the six elements, what makes up the six elements, basically? I suppose it's, it's my holistic approach um, to ensuring that we can enhance health and happiness in holistic ways, proactive ways. Initially, it started with the triangle of health, which is more of a Chinese medicine concept, So I came across that 20 years ago or over 20 years ago through kinesiology. And that's the simple thing of you are what you eat, you are what you think and feel, and you are what you physically do. So there's the nutritional side, the physical side, the psychological side. And then in more recent sort of years, I thought, you know what, there's obviously a lot more to that than that. Um, There's that sense of professional, career, financial kind of well-being. There's a sense of uh, social engagement. And also for some people, there's a really strong pull towards a spirituality as well. And for some people, that's a religion. For some people, it's a spirituality. Yeah, so I guess like um, everybody has definitely their different little niche thing that they go to. um, And we tend to be stronger in one area as opposed to another. Do you find that we need to be balanced in all areas for optimal health? Or you find that that pendulum can swing? It can swing. I mean, I think ultimately I also like to work with, you know, reasonable, usable goals that we can kind of aim towards. So I'd like to, I suppose, start with two parts. I mean, we can look at the deficit module and we can have a look at where the gaps are and say, okay, look, we haven't been paying any attention to, surprise, surprise, nutrition. So let's actually have a look into that. So clearly that's an area where even the small amount of improvement, drinking a little bit of water, having a little bit less processed foods, whole food eating, those small, you know, fundamental changes can make a big difference if somebody drinks Coke every day and processed foods. So in some ways we can look at that kind of gap. In another way I prefer to sort of also work in, well, what is something that's meaningful for people? What is something that someone sees value in that's going to enhance their lifestyle? So they might say, you know what, I've been a real hermit for a long time. That, that social engagement is something that I really want to push through and work with. Um, so having those meaningful social connections clearly is important. And when we're talking about the time that we're in at this moment, meaningful social connections is everything. And it's something that in some ways we feel has been stripped away from us, but really it's just been put on its head or us in that we've got to do it differently and we don't always like doing stuff differently. And I think the whole different with, um, you know, we went through that phase where social media probably took over as opposed to, and we were texting a lot more as opposed to just picking up the phone and ringing somebody. Now I actually find myself picking up the phone and ringing somebody because I want to have that, that, that voice and that connection that way, as opposed to just like a quick text. Do you, do you find the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this is the thing when you're forced into change, suddenly there's a flooding of a certain behavior. So suddenly social media is so easy and suddenly we're text, 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 but yeah, that meaningfulness, that richness that you get from somebody's voice, from having that direct response And ultimately, people are feeling quite alone at the moment. So any way that we can feel cared for or have that sense of nurture 
and somebody being able to interact more immediately, which you get from a phone call, clearly is going to be feeling better than yeah, the other. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing that I've really missed is hugging people. <laughs> you know, that actually, like, you talk about connection and that, that touch connection is so vital for us. And I, I mean, I'm grateful that I've got two young kids that still want to cuddle me, but, you know, some other people wouldn't be in that position um, at all and literally are just by themselves and really missing that, that um, element. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I talk to people, and this is a lot when I'm working with people with sleeping concerns and barriers as well, um, you know, that we need almost like a sensory bath. So what we're talking with is we're working with the neurology of the mind to actually create a better sense of support, love, nurture, care, acceptance. And when you're speaking about that, I mean, one of the areas in, in the brain that doesn't um, degrade, I suppose, over time is actually that sense of touch, that kinesthetic part. And it is the primal part of us that we really need to feel alive and to feel that sense of connection. Um, so certainly tactile stuff is, is super important. And it has been one of the things that's been taken, again, taken away from us. People don't like stuff being taken away. We've been forced into a change is a better way of looking at it. And what is the opportunity within that? Like you said, the phone call, there's a high level of appreciation now because we really value that because it does fit something that we are feeling a bit lost with. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the six elements that you, the full six elements, I know that we've covered a few, uh, that you kind of base this on? Yeah. So I suppose I, I talk about this sort of, and I speak it to these elements from a psychological perspective. So I don't try to pretend to be the nutritionist, naturopath. I don't try to be the PT even though I teach yoga as well. Um, but I do try to speak from it from that psychological lens. Um, certainly I've done a Master's of Organisational Psychology and so I am a little bit biased towards the professional aspect of health and wellness as well um, because having that ability to make a meaningful contribution in life is one of the most amazing gifts I think we could ever offer life. And some people do that through having children and family. Some people do that through service to the community. But a lot of us really seek to do that within our work. And clearly, Pam, I know that that feeds your soul, especially when you go through times of change and same for myself as well. So that sense of professional contribution and meaning-making in life is essential. Um, so I speak to things like organisational fit. You know, do the values of that organisation align with your value system do you have a sense of role clarity and role responsibility? So do you actually know what you are required to do and what you're going to get appreciated for in your work versus you just aimlessly doing a whole lot of things that you're not going to get value from? Um, yeah, that's a couple of points. Yeah, I mean, I know definitely from a professional point of view with all the changes that occurred and I, I wasn't seeing as many clients, I definitely could feel myself being depressed. And it's not a laughing matter, but it's just like, you know, there was literally nothing that I could do about it. There was no choice for me involved. Like, I didn't choose to for this to happen. Um, and, yeah, there was days, you know, when you're trying to manage homeschool, running a business, um, the whole works. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of load that is on the brain and physically, mentally throughout that time, for sure. Yeah. And I think in that professional sense too, and this is where it speaks to your passion in helping others, is at that point in time, the only helping others you can do is, is helping your kids and helping close family and friends. And we know how ridiculously average we are at doing that at times. And 
as a health professional, I tend to think perhaps we put a little bit more focus on getting it right because we tend to see a few people that aren't doing so great with it. Um, so, and whoever actually gets it right anyway, but who does their best and stands up each day and tries and that person and that parent that reflects upon their practice of parenting or, geez, I could have done that a bit better and has those honest conversations is the parent who is validating to themselves and to their children, you know what, that didn't go so great and it's okay to actually not go so great and these are the emotions I'm feeling with that but also this is where I'm going to repair it. So, yeah, interesting. Professional stuff is important to give us a sense of achievement because some of the other stuff in life can be a little bit tricky. Yeah, I mean, even though I'm a teacher of, like, you know, health and nutrition and things like that, I'm definitely not a grade one teacher. <laughs> yep, yep. And who is a good grade one teacher? You know, within a primary school, you have got a certain personality type with a certain skill set that would be amazing as a grade one teacher that is also different to a prep teacher yeah. and is also different to a teacher aide. So all of a sudden you've become all those roles, plus you become social worker, psychologist, plus you become disciplinarian times 24-7 with what level of sleep, interesting. And with what level of joy in your tank of having some adult quality, time, intellectual conversation, using your brain in the way that you have trained your brain for how many years, Pam? So, yeah. And, uh, you know, and the one thing that I always reverted back to was exercise because I know that that makes me happy. So whenever I was like, right, that's it, we need a break, we're going for a ride and, you know, the kids were out and we were doing that because that all makes us happy. So I guess, yeah, in a way, we just that was our default pattern. <laughs> yep, yep. And, I mean, that's your default happy dance too. So you've had a lot of success with, with sport and exercise. And, and from a psychological point, we go back to our past successes. We're going, I'm feeling pretty low in this space right now, but what's worked for me previously? So this is where when from a psychological point we work with past traumas too because we are a product of our past experience and they have influenced us. So we use it psychologically for the positive but we also look to it to understand some things as well. So, so what's an activity that we could do to maybe enhance these elements, you know, just in our in our day-to-day life? Yeah. Well, I spoke to before like the sensory bath and I think that's quite fun and I use that with a lot of different things that happen. But really if we're doing some breath work, if we're doing some mindfulness if we're doing some relaxation to get us to a place of sleep, sleepiness before we go to bed, um, sensory bath is, is nice. So we're looking at our senses and going, well, what can I do to enjoy what I'm hearing? You know, so is there some beautiful music that I can start to listen to, to tune into? And what is that purpose of that piece of music? In the sense of, if I'm going to sleep, clearly I'm going to be listening to different sort of music compared to, here's me out of the closet, when I drive home from my practice each night, my radio tends to go up pretty loud. I tend to listen to 97.3, hilarious. All my love songs of my 80s and 90s, I do. I felt that the only thing I'm very mindful of, apart from driving, is when I get closer to the driveway, I actually need to turn the radio down so that I don't wake up the people that are trying to sleep and so that I don't get busted the next morning when the kids get in the car and go, Mummy, the radio's really loud. And I'm like, yeah, I had a really good day in the practice, kids. Like, So, yeah, so anyway, sensory, we want to be listening to something musically-wise. We want to be listening to the sounds of nature, which takes us out to nature, lo and behold. So what we hear is important. Also, therefore, um, that sense of touch, that kinesthetic side, um, my bias, 20 years of massage, 
you know, if we can do some self-care practices that involve doing some releasing of muscle tension, playing with some essential oils, some lotions and potions, and actually applying that after we have a shower each day or within the bath, um, there's nothing more beautiful. And to try to trick your children, seduce them into sleep. You know, a massage after each bath or shower is a beautiful way to turn the grizzly bear back into the nice kind of cuddly bear again. So sensory stuff, really important, important kinesthetic. I don't think I'd ever get away from my children if I started massaging them. <laughs> you, know, you know what's really cool? So my five-year-old, he's not particularly touchy. But what he is good is he's very um, hippie kind of engineering kind of mind. So he learns stuff and he's very intrigued and very inquisitive and he loves order and structure. So he has seen over the years, so they're five, over the years me doing a lot of massage with the kids, especially with his brother. And so he has worked out the techniques of massage. So he gives me scalp massage. He gives me massage through my eyebrows, through the sinus areas. He knows the key points and the right amount of pressure and most mornings and evenings, he comes to me and says, Mummy, Mummy, my dad, I give you massage. Could you not? Hilarious. And he's not the touchy-feely dude, but that is how he shows love and care. And because he's so particular, he does it really well. So that's the trick. Teach them so then you can receive and you big don't time. always have to do it. Yeah, big time. On my birthday, kid you not, they were like, Mummy, I give you massage. And it is the sweetest thing to see that these children that you are creating and and helping in the world are able to actually help you and heal your heart. So, um, yeah, pretty cute. Is there any other tips or any other activities that we could do to help ourselves? Oh, I mean, where does it start and stop? I mean, so we're speaking about two of the senses. Obviously, the other kind of senses is, you know, the sense of taste and things. I mean, nourishing and nurturing food at this time of year clearly is really important. I mean, Pam, you'd only have to kick into that in two seconds. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's that sensory part as well we need to be doing um, into too. So, I mean, anything where we can start the day with a nice daily practice and end the day with a nice wind-down practice, I say when I'm working with children, it's like the rubbish truck comes each night to actually take out the garbage to debrief what's happened during the day. So... This is where the spiritual aspects, one of the other elements, can work for some people. People that have a spirituality or a religion tend to be a little bit more having something regular to go to. In honesty, I'm not actually religious, but I believe a spirituality is quite useful. So I do that with my yoga practice and with my mindfulness. So it doesn't have to be a faith-based thing. But for me, there's that regularity or that intrigue or wonder in the world. And sometimes for me it's a sense of I've got faith that if you continue to try to do the best sorts of things you can do, ultimately things will look after themselves. So something of having that faith in a higher good can be also really useful for us, especially when we're having a a tricky time and feel that we need that connection but we can't seem to see it in other people. So Yeah, it's getting out of that fear. Uh, and, you know, uncertainty always creates fear and then having that hope, right, that things are always going to get better or, you know, just even practicing some gratitude of like, yeah, I mean, we are in a really shitty time. There's things that we can't control, but you know what? I'm pretty grateful that now I have my health. Yes, on the flip side, I get to spend more time with my kids, even though they don't like me as a teacher. You know, there are some positives to um, to pull out of things. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time today, Lisa. I really appreciate it. So if people want to catch up with you or find out more about you, uh, where can they head to? 
Um, so clearly I've got a website um, and a Facebook page, Asami, Engagement Psychology. The word Asami is a Sanskrit word for a complete and whole approach. So it's just the holistic side of things. And for me, I'm very passionate about preventative medicine and working collaboratively with other health professionals as well. So I love seeing people when they're feeling low, when they're feeling depressed, when they're feeling a bit down and out, or when they've been working their ass off, but they're still not feeling satisfied with things. So I tend to see a lot of women in particular that are juggling all things, being all things for all people. But um, deep down, supposedly they've got everything, but deep down they feel alone and lost. Um, the other little part to it too, so the exercise part, um, clearly that's a little bit obvious, but doing it mindfully with posture, um, a mind-body connection through exercise is essential. And then I think I've covered the six elements. Oh, nutritional we spoke about, but the other key couple of points that people don't think with nutrition always. From a psychological point, uh, we're talking about a nervous system. We're talking about getting the body back into the parasympathetic nervous system which is the rest and digest system. It's the opposite of the sympathetic nervous system, which is the one that's feeling threatened, hypervigilant, under attack, the fight, flight or freeze. So when we're in that sympathetic, reactive, responsive nervous system, you can be eating the best foods in the world, but potentially your body's not being primed and thinking about digesting. It's thinking about escaping the grizzly bear, escaping the stress and anxiety, um, and as I said, feeling really hypervigilant and anxious so any practice and this is where we come back to a daily practice that allows you to wind down and get back to a reset um, when you're looking at your food and having that sense of savoring it and appreciating it for the effort you put in or the effort somebody else put in taking that time to breathe and eat it more mindfully will allow you to think about what you're eating monitor and manage it a lot better and um, therefore less overconsumption as well and your gut has a chance to digest it at whatever level it's functioning at. Even if it's a bit average, it's still going to be a lot of a better bit average than if you were stressed out. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, and we shouldn't be filling our body just with caffeine or energy drinks or anything. You know, we always want to look at our food as how am I going to best nourish my body to get the best out of it. How and then, you know, how good am I going to be as a mum, as, you know, a work, like in my workplace, all of those different areas and nutrition plays a huge role in that. So awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, I also dropped the links down below. So if anyone wants to um, check out Lisa, they can. We will see you next time on The Naturopath Next Door. so much for listening to the naturopath next door podcast if you are loving what you're hearing i would really appreciate it if you hit subscribe and leave a short review also if you've learned something this episode make sure that you share it on your instagram stories and tag me pam underscore naturopath wherever you are in the world i hope you have a really good day and i will catch you next week on the naturopath next door